taking uh, a moment with us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here together to just share in song, to lift your name up, to make your name great. And Father, we are just so thankful at this time of year. We, uh, we consider all the blessings that you've given to us, all the things that you have shared with us. And we pray that today, as we uh, just spend a moment together, share in your story, as we share ourselves with you, that you would share yourself with us. And we just thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather, to worship, and just take these moments together. So please bless our time today. Bless us as we enter into this last season, this last uh, month of the year. God, may we, may we do our best to finish out 2022 the best way that we can. Um, may we May we have wonderful moments with our families. May we just look forward to new beginnings and new starts as we begin 2023 together. Father, we just ask that you would walk with us this all that we go through. And we ask this all in your precious son's name and the church together said, amen. So good to be here. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed your, your Thanksgiving uh, as well. And just uh, sometimes it's nice to just take a break and step back and, and not have to worry about too many things, and now today uh, you'll go home and you'll take a nap, and then you'll realize, hey, tomorrow morning I've got to get up, and the kids have to go back to school, and we've got to go back to work, and you're going to have a bad attitude, and uh, it's okay, you can, it's, it's not, a, not, not a big deal, so it'll be, it'll be fine. Um, I got to, Hedy and I got, we had a little bit of time away, and I got to put together uh, the next six sermons that'll take us all the way to, uh, to, to January 8th, um, called Carrying the Kingdom. And we're going to kind of weave in our uh, our Christmas series as a part of this, which will start uh, maybe a little bit more a little bit more next week. And I thought what I wanted to do in these these last six weeks, these next six weeks, shall I say, is I thought there's a couple things that I want to do. I want to spend some time telling some stories. Uh, first of all, as preachers, our number one responsibility is to tell the story of God. That's what makes what we do what we do, right? Uh, if you get up here and you don't tell the story of God, then we're kind of missing the boat. We're kind of missing the point. But the second part of that is what I thought would be help, helpful and powerful and maybe good for all of us is for me to share some of the stories about you. Now, some of you don't know when I'm going to be sharing your story. And so you better make sure you're at church the next few weeks because if you're not, I'm going to say mean and hateful things if you're not in the room, I'm going to say, well, they're not here, so I'm going to tell you the real story rather than the nice preachy version of, of the story. Um, I am not above airing your laundry here on Sunday mornings, okay? Um, but I think one of the things that sort of struck me is this. Uh, some of you in the room I've known maybe two or three years. Some of you I've known about five years. Some of you I've known for my time at Journey, which is a little over eight years. Uh, some of you I've known for the better part of 15 years. I can't believe it. Some of you I've known for 15 years when I first came to Amarillo um, those years ago. And I want to kind of share just a variety of those stories as we, as we kind of go through this in the next few weeks. But here's something that, I, that, that is painfully obvious to me, is that God's story is the big narrative that we set our lives behind. And when we are good followers, our story is generally pretty good, right? God's story is kind of always good, even though we don't always understand it, not every single part of it. 
But when we walk in line with God's story, our lives tend to go pretty well. Guess what happens when we deviate from God's story? Life doesn't go very well. And if you don't believe me, we're just going to read some Bible stories today that prove this exact thing. When we walk with God, when we are involved in God's story, things seem to go well. When we deviate from God's story and get into our own story a little too much, things don't tend to go as well. God calls us time and again to this concept, that God has placed his kingdom inside of us and we carry God's kingdom. Uh, Paul says it very well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, just one verse, which is kind of a, a governing verse of maybe this whole series. He says, but we have this treasure, meaning the kingdom, we have this treasure in jars of clay, not not like, you know, jars of metal, not, not, something that can be molded, something that can be shaped in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. In fact, if you see that theme in most of the Bible stories, you see that when people are vessels for God's kingdom and they do their best, not perfectly, I might add, but they do their best to just carry the kingdom well. It's amazing what happens in their life and what God is able to do in them. Now, the problem that we have in our world is that we are all given this vessel, and we spend a lot of our time filling it with stuff that we want. And so when God comes, there's this much at the top, and we're like, God, fill me up. And God pours, you know, that much, and we wonder, why is my life not, not going the way that it needs to go, right? Well, because we've got to spend more time pouring out this vessel, pouring out more of ourselves and allowing God to use that space to fill it up with his kingdom and his presence. And we need to be better carriers of the kingdom, not just having something that we walk around with. But the reality is, is we have to spend time actively emptying that out so that God can fill it so that our stories can collide. God's story, God's kingdom should have the most place in our vessel. When it doesn't, our stories start to deviate from God. So let me tell you some Bible stories, some, some that you already know. God makes the world. This is Genesis 1 and 2. God kind of creates everything, creates people. Doesn't take them very long, and they're disobedient to God. They're kicked out of the garden, and now they have to live their life. And they do their best, but it doesn't go very well. And it seems like things get, go from bad to worse. And it's amazing because there's this huge creation story in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And then you get to Genesis 6. Six chapters is how long it takes them. And then we have the story of a guy named Noah. Now, even if you didn't grow up in church or go to Sunday school, most people know the story of Noah and the ark, right? And a lot of people debate, is this a real story? Is it a parable? Is it, you know, did, did he really take all the animals in two by two? Is that really what happened? Was not? And, and this is the point. This is what Genesis 6 is about. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. Doesn't mean he's religious. Means he's righteous. He tries to spend his life doing the right thing. He's blameless among the people of his time. And there's not that many people. It's only been six chapters, right? And he walked faithfully with God. He carries the kingdom, right? It's an easy way to say that. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It says, uh, this is verse 11, it says, now the, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. 
God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So he said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to it. Right? Their story has deviated away from God's story. Instead of carrying the kingdom, they're carrying themselves. This is a struggle that every person in this room understands. We want to do what's right, but it's hard to do what's right. And then God says, I'll tell you what, it says Noah's 600 years old, but bit past his best, shall we say. Some of you are not quite there, and anyway, you know what I mean. Um, but the reality is, is that God says, I want you to build, I want you to build an ark. And I want, I'm going to start over. In six chapters, God has decided that this beautiful world that he's created, he's going to destroy it. He goes across the earth, and he finds only Noah and his family. There's eight people, and he says, I'm going to start over with you. That's why the story of Noah is often called the recreation story or the the second creation story. God says, I'm going to hit the reset button. Remember the old computers? You had that red button, and when something just didn't go right, right, you just be okay, and just start over, right? Control alt delete, or you just hold down the power. Whatever it is now, that's what God says. He says, I'm going to do this over. I'm going to take away everything that was here, and I'm going to start with, with righteous, blameless people who know how to do this. God floods the earth. He kills everybody. Eight people come off the ark. And then at the end of, um, let me look here. Yeah, at, in chapter 8, the story kind of unfolds for the next few chapters, uh, Genesis 6 to Genesis, uh, Genesis 9. But in Genesis 8, beginning in verse 18, this is when they're coming out after the flood. It says, So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and the birds and everything came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. The first thing that he does when he comes through this trial is he builds an altar. It is a seminal moment that says we are going to serve God. We're going to empty ourselves out of the vessels, and we're going to fill them completely with the presence of God. That's what he does. Now, this is a beautiful lesson, because I think what what we learn in our lives is when we go through difficult things, what we need to do is we need to complain, moan, and, and, and tell everybody how bad life is. That's not what Noah does. They've just gone through a harrowing experience. Let me tell you, sometimes we read it and go, well, they were safe. How would you like to be on the ark for 150 days with a bunch of stinky animals, right? I mean, I have a hard time when my kids don't shower, you know, at the end of the day. I'm like, you need to, you need to go do something, right? But at the end of this time, after the trial, after they have been victorious in the trial, which you are victorious in your trial, they stop and they worship. Man, it's a great lesson. When we go through difficult things, instead of complaining and barking orders at God, maybe we need to stop and say, God, thank you. God makes covenants with Noah in that moment. Now, the bad part about it is, the end of chapter 9, everything's good, everything's back to normal, the earth is what it should be, carrying the kingdom of God. And then, you have chapter 11. It's called the Tower of Babel, or the Tower of Babel, depending on the way that you learned that pronunciation growing up. There's some beautiful words in the beginning of that chapter that say this. The people gather around, and God told them, go and disperse into the earth, and they didn't listen. And then they use this great word. They say, let us do this. Let, go look in the Bible how many times when people say, let us do this. Okay, 
This is probably the equivalent in my home of my kids when you call them out on something, our oldest especially. She says, I was just. Why did you? I was just going to, I was just doing this. I was just doing that. There's always a reason or a rationalization. And I'm like, you need to go do something because I'm about to just, you know, lose my mind, right? I was just doing this. That's all I was doing. And what, what that tells us, what that signals to us, is that they're filling their jars with themselves. Hey, let us do this. When, when they build the golden calf, Moses has been gone for a month. Let us build a God for ourselves. It doesn't go well. I think those two words are a, are a point that show the deviation from God's story. Every time in our lives, if we say, let me just do this, what we're actually admitting is that we're pouring God out and we're filling the jar with ourselves. The story of Noah is a powerful story for us. About 15 years ago, um, I met uh, Eric Hendricks, who's sitting way back there. If you can wave your hands, I can't quite see you from here. There you are. Nobody can see you. It's dark in here. Can you put the spotlight out for me? Thanks so much. I met, I met Eric. I was working at, a, a, at another church. Um, I was in an associate role. And one of the things that I'm very passionate about doing is walking with people. Sometimes that involves maybe a little bit of counsel or just conversations, and we just kind of uh, learn things about each other, and we do this. Well, he called the church um, and said he wanted to talk to someone. Okay. So the, the, the note came down to me, and, uh, and I called him, called him back. Well, I can't remember exactly how that happened. And after a while, he found himself in the lobby of the church. And so it was the day, and I said, hey, he's Eric, this guy named Eric here. Okay, great. Walked around the corner, you know, I said, hey, Eric, I'm Sheldon. We shook hands. And I said, hey, why don't you come on back? This is about 15 years ago. So I was, I was just a little over 30 at the time. And Eric told me this later, which is kind of a fun story. He said, we were walking back to my office, and he had that feeling of, oh, I called the church for help, and they gave me this young whippersnapper that doesn't know anything about life. And I'm following him there. He told me this after the, after the fact. And we sat down and we talked. Now, uh, Eric and I have, become, have been great friends for, for a long time and really uh, shared a lot of life together. But when he came, he was kind of in a transitional point in his life. Um, some of the relationships that he had had hadn't quite worked out, and he was quite upset about that. He'd also unintentionally, as it tends to always happen, kind of fallen into a world and a life of addiction. And we sat down and we talked. And I remember he, he, he had a lot of blame when he came in. He said, you know, this person did this to me and this person did this to me. And this was unfair and this was unfair. And part of that is to listen. And one of the things that I do pride myself on is that I try very hard to be brutally honest with people. Even if it hurts, I will try to tell people the truth. And we sat down and I remember there was just this one moment that just sticks out in my mind where, where uh, he said, he was talking about this person and this person and this person. And I stopped him at the end of it and I said, well, none of those people are here. Why don't we talk about what you've done? Why don't we talk about the decisions and the consequences that you have in your life? And he sort of had this double take. He kind of looked at me and he said, you're not going to let me blame it on everybody else, are you? And I said, no. You can only carry what's yours. And for the next probably 10, 15 weeks, whatever it was, we walked together. I remember the day he came and he said, 
I've, I've completely quit all of my addictions, cold turkey, never went back for 15 years. Huge. He poured his life out. He said, I want God to fill this up. I got to baptize him, I remember that. It was a powerful moment. Now, does he live his life perfect? No. Got to do he and Andy's wedding a few years later. When people are willing to allow their story to intersect with the story of God, it changes their lives. And sometimes it changes the lives of the people who you walk with. You know, another story is in the Bible of a guy named Abraham. When we first meet him, his name is, is Abram. But we meet Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, it tells the story of God calling Abraham and saying, I want you to go to a new town. I want you to go to a new place. I'm, I'm uprooting your life. And I'm going to move you over here because I need you over here. And the Bible says what Abraham does is he empties his life and he allows God to fill it. And he follows God where God wants to take him. And from Genesis 12 onwards, we see the story of a guy named Abraham who becomes Abraham and his wife Sarai who becomes Sarah. And they don't have any kids. I wouldn't say they're a young married couple because they're 75 years old when God calls them. Takes them to a new place. Says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And the next few chapters ensue, which are very powerful and really amusing as well. You're going to have kids. And they're like, hold on. I don't think that's the right memo, God. God says, no, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And you have a story. You have a person in the story named Sarah, who's Abraham's wife, and she has waited her whole life for something. She has tried hard to just be a vessel that God can fill, but he never did. At least she felt like he never did. And so she spent some time filling it up with distractions and with things that she wanted. And guess what happened? God came back and said, that's not what I meant. I want you to wait for me to fill you. And so Sarah pours her life out. She allows God to fill her. She has a child named Isaac. And the Jewish nation is born from them. It's a beautiful story. You know, Jennifer, I always know you as Jennifer Faulkner, not even though she's Jennifer Bobbitt now. I'll always know you. I think in your phone, I have some, uh, the name I have for you in my phone is not a good, anyway. Um, another that's another story i learned very quickly you can call her jennifer or or jen but you can't call her jenny right that was that was it was the time of forrest gump coming out i guess and so i still remember remember that also about 15 years ago i got to meet got to meet jennifer um she also i think kind of came to the church or something like that and said hey want to just talk to somebody she had recently lost her dad she was having a really hard time with that she has a complicated relationship with her mother, I think still does. Most women, I find, have complicated r relationships with their moms. It's nothing abnormal. It's something that just happens. And we talked through some things. I don't know, and I don't want to be, I don't be misleading. Uh, I, I don't know if you were quite an atheist, uh, definitely an agnostic, but somewhere in that, somewhere in that realm when I met you, right, um, I could make Jennifer as angry as any person in the world. Am I right? Okay. Um, and... I would do that all in the name of Jesus with truth, 
but it was incredibly satisfying for me at times as well. Um, and we would, we would sit and talk. And I, as I thought through the story, I cannot remember, and I don't know if you will either, but you always called Christians something. I don't know if you called like Christians snowflakes or Fruit Loops or something like that. I don't quite remember what language it was, but it was kind of something like that. It was almost slightly sarcastic, like, well, you know, these Fruit Loops that believe all these things. And we walked together for about three or four months, kind of talking through some of these things. And I remember the day that she came into the office and sat down. And I remember what she said to me. She said, I think this God stuff might be true. I think there might be something to this. Because there's things that are happening that I can't fully explain. And I don't know what to do with that. And so I guess I'm going to be a Fruit Loop as well then, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to kind of be, you know, co-Fruit Loops or whatever it was. Do you remember the word you used? I don't remember. Was, was it snowflake? Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, snowflake, like these unique little snowflakes. But I, but I remember that. And I remember what happened after that. She said, I'm going to genuinely create space in my life for this. You know what Jennifer did? She poured her life out. And she said, okay, God, I'm going to give you a shot. And guess what he did? How he filled her life up. Got to baptize her as well. Been friends with her for, what, 15 years, maybe, maybe even longer than that. Got to do your wedding as well. Powerful things. Do you know what's interesting? 15 years ago, somebody who didn't have a vessel that was open to carrying the kingdom now does. Jennifer has led multiple successful groups. She serves on this church's leadership team. She has discipled people to Christ. She really believes what she believes. She allowed her story and God's story to converge and become one. Is it perfect? No. But she's dealing with the tension of herself and God in the same vessel like we all should. She's trying to carry the kingdom. The last story I'll tell today uh, is one that's maybe a little bit more recent. Uh, Crystal, I've known you for what, about four or five years now? Probably three or four. A few years back, uh, Crystal came on and, and we, we had hired some new staff people. And Crystal said, uh, somebody, actually somebody told me and said, hey, got this girl and she's, we think she'll be really good. She can come in, work in the office a little bit, help us out with, you know, a few things, cutting stuff out for the kids or doing, doing whatever it takes. And so we, we brought her on board and, uh, and Crystal had, I knew very early on, Crystal, there were some things in her life that just had not always been good. But we hadn't quite made up our minds about Crystal yet. It takes a minute when you get to know people, especially when people work in ministry. And about two years ago, she, so she was slowly just doing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. I think you guys kind of went to church. It was, it, was, it was kind of a big, I mean, somewhat here and there. And what happened was something happened a couple of years ago where we needed some help with something. It was just kind of a, a space and a time where we needed somebody to step into that space. And Crystal kind of did. And it made us all stop and pay attention and go, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. And over the course of the next year, there were many conversations, mostly behind your back, Crystal, with other people, about does she, does she have what it takes? Now, I'm going I'm to tell you some things about Crystal, nothing that I haven't told her already. 
I knew Crystal had a lot of wounds in her life. And the reason why you know that people have wounds is when their self-defense mechanisms are really well developed. People who are very sarcastic, often that's a mechanism that we learned at some point to be the class clown, is to be funny. But it really is a defense mechanism to keep people away from your heart because it's been hurt. Or the way that we tell stories or the way that we talk to people, we all have defense mechanisms. And you can always tell how wounded a person is by how well-developed their defense mechanisms are. And we got to a point a little, over a, a little over a year ago that said, is she ready to take the next step? There was some space in children's ministry where we needed some more. The ministry was growing because you guys can't stop having kids, right? And, and we kind of said, hey, I remember sitting in leadership meetings saying, do we think she can do it? Do we think this is going to fit her? Do we think she's the right person? And so earlier in 2022, I started uh, this kind of a pastoral training that I do with all, all people. And it's not always fun. In fact, it's really hard. And the first thing we have to do is confront where we've come from and what our wounds are. And I had Crystal write some stuff out. You remember that lunch? It was like the worst lunch ever. She had to kind of tell her story. And I just sat there probably for a little better part of an hour and a half, two hours. She just shared her, shared her story about some horrific things that had happened when she was young. Some abuse. The relationship with her mother. Her mother passed away many, many years ago. Growing up without a mom. Growing up the time that she did have a mom, it wasn't really a great, a great, mo a great moment or a great model. We talked about why she does some of the things that she does. And sometimes we do them for so long that we don't realize that we do them anymore. And it takes somebody else to come in and say, hey, do you know that you do this? And it's not a fun experience. For about three or four months, we walked together. And what I watched her do was pour out some of those protections. Pour out of those, those things that, that have kept her safe, to reveal a beautiful and vulnerable heart underneath. And then a few months ago, we ordained her. She became one of our children's pastors. And the goal is that in a couple of years, she will be the children's pastor of this church. Only God can do that. And what God is waiting for what he's always been waiting for is people who are willing to pour themselves out for him so that he can fill them. What he wants is people who are willing to carry the kingdom. It's easier to carry your own load. It's easier to carry what you want. It's harder to carry the kingdom of God. But these are three people that I see carrying the kingdom, doing their best, not perfectly, but carrying the kingdom of God. And you guys inspire me to do that better. And I hope these stories inspire you. Father, thank you today just for, for good people, for imperfect people. 
Thank you that we get to just be a part of your story, that you in, invite us into, into your family. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to walk together, to allow our lives to be shaped and formed not only by each other, but by you as well. Father, I pray today that we would, we would take stock of whatever is in our vessel. We would take stock of, of how many things we have forced and shoved and pushed into our lives. And God, may we just have some eyes to realize that maybe some of those things need to be poured out so that your kingdom can be poured in and that our stories will align once more. Father, thank you for just the opportunity we have to share in these beautiful moments together as we continue to worship today, as we continue to lift your name up on high. Would you fill us with your presence?